Today's Tuesday, February 25th, 2020, and this week on the Birdland BS Podcast. The rumor mill's hot with talks of a potential Hayden Hurst trade. The Terps' win streak of nine in a row comes to an end. The Orioles shake up the broadcast team. And after three weeks, we're still talking XFL. Stay tuned. So let's take it to the Birdland. That Baltimore home flavor is coming firsthand. Fred, Scott, and Ryan, tell them the word, man. Mixing a little BS to make it work, man. Sports, they got it. On excitement, the topic. Make sure when they toss you the ball, you don't drop it. With all that swag, you're going to listen regardless. Here comes the pitch, so it's time to get it started. It's Birdland BS. BS, BS. Chicka, chicka. BS, BS. What's up, BSers? I can go soulful. BS. No, BS. no. For, for the record, Frank. Don't let that happen again. Be proud. Stay white. Please, God, <laughs> stay white. Oh, uh, what's up, everybody? Fred Scott. And as you hear, Brian is back in the studio tonight after a couple yeah. weeks off. Uh, glad to hear going? you're feeling better. Good to oh, have you back. Yeah, man. <laughs> you don't realize how important Brian is to the show until you don't have Brian. Hey, James, two weeks ago, did a great job filling yes, he in. Did. He's in studio again. That's right. He did a James great job James did a great job in. here, as always. Uh, Shell and Tell already talking about my F-bomb. Had to get that out. Yeah, right. <laughs> Oh, man, so we got a lot to cover on the show. Uh, as we talked about pre-show, man, the rumor mill is hot with the Ravens right now. A lot of talk about potential deals. One deal that uh, I'm not going to be too happy if it happens, not for the right price anyway. Yeah, we were talking about this pre-show. We're going to get into it, but it, there's there's also some other in, information surrounding that, which I actually think plays a role in what happens there. So Agreed, agreed. The Terps get their nine-game win streak snapped. Uh but it's not all doom and gloom, man. This was a uh, this was a productive loss, if that's a possible <laughs> thing. It's a good I, I loss. Mean, I, it's a good loss. Yeah, it, there, there's some good things to come out of this, and and really tomorrow is going to be the the definition of what happens and how how they bounce back. Agreed. The Orioles shaking up the broadcast team uh, right as spring training literally kicks off. A shake, shake, shake. Oh, no, not again. A shake, shake, shake. Once was enough, Scott. Shake your broadcast. That's enough. Again, Scott, cut. Stop. Again? Okay, cut. I can stop. do it again. I no, can stop. <laughs> and it's three weeks Just, into the XFL, and we're still talking about it, so I guess it has some sort of relevance. Uh, people are still going to these games, too. We're going to get into that. <laughs> That's right. That's for sure. Before we get into too much, though, we do want to remind you, if you've ever been injured at work or in an auto accident and weren't sure who to call, 855-MD-CRASH are the Maryland personal injury attorneys that have your back. If you find yourself in that unfortunate situation, and I know I have, give our team at MD-CRASH a call right away. We all know that the cost of medical bills, lost wages, and pain and suffering can all add up quickly and potentially put you in a bad financial place. If you want a team that will handle your case, big or small, and just give you some peace of mind, save this number now. 855-MD-CRASH. That's 855-632-7274. Be sure to follow them on Facebook for some fun giveaways, including tickets to potentially some Orioles games and some minor league teams. All right, Scott, so we're going to hop right into Ravens Flock, as usual. It's kind of how we it's traditionally kind of uh, traditionally start the show. Uh, and we're going to kick it, this off it, with the biggest rumor. Well, I got to ask before we get into the rumors, is it how we roll or is it how we rumble? I don't know. You didn't roll. see what I did there? I did. Look at the title of our show. Oh, 
We yeah. rumble on in. Yeah, that was horrible, Fred. That's all on you, buddy. <laughs> all right, man. So the popular rumor out there right now that has a lot of Ravens fans kind of bantering back and forth uh, is the potential trade of former first-round pick Hayden Hurst. Instant thought on the potential of losing Hayden Hurst, Scott. Uh, I think there it, the interesting dynamic that comes out in this in this whole situation is the news that came out last week, late last week. I don't know if it's a factor in the rumors or not, but I got to bring it up because it, it delves right into it is his mental state. When he was at South Carolina, he had some baseball struggles. He, he documented, you know, he talked about, um, you know, was open about the suicide attempt that he made uh, while he was there this week. I don't know if that plays a role into it, but here's what I think. I think it, it plays a role into what you can actually get for Hayden Hurst because that's a guy's bad mental state. He's had struggles here in Baltimore. So if he's coming out and talking about these things, it could be good. It could be bad. It could mean that he's going back into that state, that type of mental state. It could mean that he's, you know, he's trying to recoup and get himself out of that mental state. I, you don't know. And that's where I think there's a giant question mark around what you actually could get for Hayden Hurst. Um, I, I wouldn't, mind seeing him if we're going to get something in value return but what i think we should get i don't think we're going to get i agree with you in the sense that the big question mark is what do you get in return for hayden hurst but i don't think the depression and the and the suicide stuff from his south carolina days or really his pittsburgh pirate days yeah uh have any weight into it at all like more people than not suffer from some sort of depression issue at some point in their life. It's very prevalent in today's uh, society, yes. Exactly. So I don't think it's an issue. I just think that he's open about it and using his stage for good to bring awareness to it. Uh, I don't think it has anything to do with it flaring back up right now. I do think that Hayden Hurst is frustrated, and I think he's been frustrated with his role in the offense. I've said We've this now that, for, yeah. for months. I said it earlier on in the year. I could see the frustration building up. So this – potential trade or maybe this potential conversation that he had with upper management saying, Hey, I'd like to explore the interest and potentially a move uh, is, is very valid. I think that listen, Hayden Hurst is an extremely good athlete. And I do think from just a sure, uh, sure opportunity standpoint, I think he is kind of taking a back seat right now, obviously to Mark Andrews, Mark Andrews kind of popped onto the scene day one unexpectedly I don't think anybody expected him to have as big a role in the offense or if they would have I mean they would have been switched around on the draft board well, I was gonna say just the, the chemistry that he's been able right. to develop it, it it's it's been un, unbelievable and unremarkable and I think that's to, and I think that's where you were kind of leading to with his frustration you have Boyle who's the blocking tight end and has really established himself as that and you have best Andrews, blocking tight end in the league and you have Andrews who's one of the top you know, pass catching tight ends in the league. Right. So where does Hayden fit into that? He really kind of right now doesn't. And that was the frustration. You saw it. Mm. I don't think he doesn't fit. It's just his role was different here. He's that all around tight end. He does a little bit of everything because he can block and he can pass catch. He does a lot. I think he wants to be more featured well, he in wants the to offense a, as a pass catcher. He, he wants, wants to, to be get a more balls. one. He wants to be a tight end one. Right. That's what he wants to be. And he's here, in all reality, he's kind of being treated like a t tight end three. Right. 
And I, and, I, and I agree with that. I mean, listen, nobody uses the tight end more than the Ravens. Right. The Ravens use double tight end formations and sometimes three tight end formations more than anybody in the league. That's just a fact. So he does get used here. He's just not highlighted, and he's not getting all the, the glamour because he's not getting all the catches that Mark Andrews is getting. And rightfully so. Look, Mark Andrews is a beast. Right now, I'd put Mark Andrews top three tight end in the league just based on yeah. his production, right? So – I'm okay and I'm open to the potential of trading a Hayden Hurst, but I'm not giving him away for absolutely nothing. There's been a lot of rumors out there, a couple of teams that are interested in him right now. You've got the Jaguars, the Patriots, and I had even heard the Redskins earlier today were kind of poking around. So there are teams that are out there, and for me, the more teams, the merrier. Because all that's going to do is drive up the asking price. If you've got teams kind of bidding against each other and whatnot – especially if the Patriots are involved. Right now, the Patriots are in a standstill with Tom Brady, right? They're trying to keep Tom Brady. They're trying to keep this dynasty going. And I think one of the things that's going to potentially keep that going would be putting more weapons around Tom Brady. And Tom Brady's been most effective when he's had a top-flight type of tight end. And I'm not saying that Hayden Hurst is going to be a top-flight tight end, but you put him in that Patriots offense with Tom Brady throwing the ball, and he's instantly, in my opinion, a top-five tight end in the I mean, league. Yeah, Hayden, Hayden, just based on targets. Hayden has been a he's been a pretty good hands hands tight end. He's yeah, he's able, very good hands. He, he has, he's been doing well with that. That's why I think he, he got frustrated towards the end of the year, and you, we talked about seeing that out of him when he was catching the ball. He's catching four-yard passes for first downs, and he's acting like he just you know had a 30 yard catch and run it's because he's going see get me the ball and i'll get the, i'll get us that's, across the line and that's been part of what i've been saying all year is that you can see the frustration even out there on game day him barking at the sidelines like get me the damn ball i can be a playmaker in this offense when he gets but, the opportunity okay so we've talked and neither of us have really kind of a, a addressed ultimately what what we think we get out of him, right? Mm -hmm. And I think we both are a little bit on different ends of the spectrum here because for me, I look at everything and I I, I do see his drive. I see his passion, right? We've talked about that. Mm -hmm. The problem is, is he's got limited, he has a limited um, number of receptions. Mm -hmm. He's been very limited in usage. So you don't have enough of a sample size to go, he could still, you know, he's still a tight end one type of guy like you, like you thought he was when you drafted him. You thought he had the potential to be your tight end one. You didn't expect Andrews to do what he did. But at the same time, he didn't outplay Andrews in training camp. He didn't outplay him in, in the chemistry side of things. Look, you can you can have the best hands in the world, but if you don't have a relationship with your with your quarterback, you're not going to get the ball. So is that a question mark that here, here's this young guy that wasn't able to develop a relationship with Joe Flacco, wasn't able to develop a relationship with with Lamar Jackson, there's some question marks there. So that's why I don't think my eyes, some people are saying, and I know that you fall in this category, second or third round, I don't think we're going to get better than better than a third or fourth round for him right now. Well, and if that's the case, then you just don't move him. If you're not going to get at the minimum, in my opinion, if you're just straight up talking about draft capital, you're not talking about any other players involved in the deal. If you're just straight up talking draft capital, if you don't at least get a second round pick for this guy, you don't even entertain the offer. And the reason I say that is because Eric DaCosta has got a job where he has to sell the other teams based on potential. 
not production. All to everything that you just said, because he hasn't had the opportunities, because he hasn't put up the stats, because he hasn't shown that he can prove, you know, that he he's been able to build the chemistry with Lamar. He hasn't had that chance to do that, right? Uh, and Mark Mark Andrews came in right out of the gate, formed that relationship with him, and took over that tight end one position. It's not like Hayden Hurst went out there and failed, and then Mark Andrews got an opportunity. Mark Andrews won that in camp right away and has been tight end number one since day one. Now, hold on. Okay. That doesn't mean that Hayden Hurst couldn't be an effective tight end one for another team. This is a kid that's 27 years old, which is kind of older for a guy who's only been in the league for a couple years. We talked about that draft day that you know he was right. 25 years old he was, when we drafted yeah. him. But he's still only 27 years old, and he's under his rookie contract. So right now, he's cost. If he were to get traded, he's only going to cost the team three, three and a half million dollars a year for these next couple of years on his contract. Or these teams go out and try to get an Austin Hooper, or try to get the kid from uh, from the Chargers. I can't think of his name right now. Both of those guys oh, yeah. are are eligible, but you're going to be talking about nine or ten million dollars a year for those guys where you could just trade a second-round pick, get a guy that you know could be a good fit and can put up numbers and only cost you three and a half mil. But see, that's a difference is those guys are a little bit more proven. They came in and were able to develop chemistry right away. That's that's what I'm... That's, that's why, why I said Eric's going to have to 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 sell on potential. Uh, and listen, he was a first-round well, pick, and it wasn't just the Ravens that had him graded as a first-round pick. He was graded a first-round pick because of everything that we've mentioned, because of the hands, because of the speed... What did we say in week whatever it was, like seven or eight of the year? He had the fastest touchdown reception on the, oh, the entire speed, the speed Ravens yeah, roster, yeah, right? Wise, so he's yeah. got the speed. Well, I, I think I think when you look at it though, that's that's the thing that you're you're trying to go back and look and say this is what this guy was able to do before, but you're trying to ignore uh, to an extent the lack of prog- I don't want to say progression because he hasn't really gotten the chance to progress. To your point. But the fact that somebody could come in and win that job over him as a first round pick, is that job not yours to lose? Typically, yes. You're 100 percent right. 100 percent. And that's I guess that's my argument is, is I while you say Mark Andrews came in and, and, you know, won the job. Mm -hmm. I also say that means there's a loser. And that means that Hayden Hurst didn't have enough in the tank, whatever it was, the chemistry, I honestly think it comes down to his chemistry and what chemistry he was able to develop. But let's not forget, it was two quarterbacks that he wasn't able to truly develop chemistry with. Eh, yes and even, no, because even, no, no, Hayden because Hurst he, was drafted the same year that Lamar was drafted. So it's just... It, but it, even in that first half, when when Joe Flacco was out there, Joe Flacco was not... He, they were still utilizing in that point. They were still utilizing Andrews more than they were... Hayden Hurst. But you but we talked about Andrews earlier. Andrews is a top three tight end in the league right now. If it's not th- it's it's not that he's just the best tight end on the roster, right? So the Ravens did this a few years back when they drafted uh Dennis Pitta and Ed Dixon in the same draft, right? And they had them both come in and they were relatively close. I can't remember exactly what rounds they were, but they were, they were relatively like a close, round apart. A round apart. And it's the same thing here. You got a late first round pick and an early third round pick, about a round a little over a round right. apart, right? So I you got two second you, and third, I think if it if I'm right, if I'm with Pitta and Dixon. It could have been, right. So it's it's similar with the Hayden and the and the uh Mark Andrews. We knew with Hayden Hurst, he was going to fill that versatility role. He was going to be that all-around tight end, right? So he right. had that role. We knew that Mark Andrews was basically 
a glorified tight end that was playing slot receiver at Oklahoma. So we knew what he would present for us in the passing game. We didn't know that he was going to be able to develop into the complete tight end that he's turned into. So really, we kind of got a benefit there. We got the best of both worlds. And it just so happened that Mark Andrews beat out Hayden Hurst. I don't think he beat out Hayden Hurst by a mile. But there is something to be said about chemistry. And it worked from day one with Lamar and Mark. Right. Well, I mean, it's only times you tell the the rumors are that the Ravens are asking, you know, specifically of the Jags for a second rounder. The Jags do have a second round pick uh, that they might be willing to part with. So that is the, it sounds like that you're, you know, you're on long lines of the asking yeah. price. I mean, listen, if you're the Ravens can still utilize Hayden Hurst without a problem. They like I said, they use three tight end formations more than anybody. So he's still an important factor for this offense. So you're not just getting them rid of them for the sake of getting rid of them. If somebody wants them, they better come right. And I don't think a third, fourth, or fifth round pick is right. Do you think? Do you think like a a, a fourth and a fifth? No, you don't uh, even no. think that's worth it. No, the only way I do less than a second round is if you somehow got two thirds. If you got two thirds out of it for one, I potentially I would think about it. But if you're just talking one pick for a player, okay, it would have to be no less than a high second round pick in my opinion. All right, fair enough. Well, I mean, we're talking about rumors. So the other rumor that we got to get into that was it kind of brought up <coughs> honestly is it's it's a little bit of a ridiculous rumor, but we've also heard it now for a few weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh and it's actually started with CBS Sports. Uh, they had done like a, a mock draft and in their mock draft one of the things they said, and they pre- they have now predicted it three times in three different mock drafts, that they predict that the Vikings will trade to the Ravens, and they will trade Stefan Diggs to the Ravens, and they they were saying, I, I want to say for one of the Ravens for the Ravens first round pick, I don't I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, I think it's a little excessive, but I think there is some potential validity to that mindset in that we do need a number one wide receiver that we've talked about, right? Mm, yeah. um, they're expecting Miles Boykin to step up. We're going to talk about DaCosta talking about him in a little bit, but one of the things that you really have to look at is, is say, what, you know, what are our needs? Where can you address it? If you give up a first round pick, I'm not necessarily comfortable with that because I think we have the ability to develop our wide receivers and we no. can go get somebody that's a value. Yeah. But at the same time, that means that you're that means that you need to address the pass rush in some other way because this this draft this first round is heavy on the pass rush right now yeah so the ravens obviously have a bunch of needs and we've talked about that and the pass rush is a big one middle inside linebackers another one but wide receiver is one too stefan diggs would be a great addition for the he ravens terp. he a terp he, you know there's a lot of obviously emotional attachment with him being a maryland guy but the thing is one I don't think the Vikings are going to trade him regardless. So I think it's kind of a moot point because I don't think he's getting traded. But if they were in the market and they were trying to shop him, I would not be giving up any serious draft capital for him. And I say that because not only are you giving up draft capital, which is going to cost you, but then you're also giving up salary cap because of the money that he's going to require in absorbing his contract, right? So it's almost a right. double-edged sword. You're killing yourself by losing a draft, a high draft pick, and you're killing yourself from signing any other free agents potentially with a large cap number. I get what he brings in the passing game, and he would be a sexy wide receiver to have here. I like it. But I just don't think it's going to happen because of what if if the Vikings were actually going to entertain the offer, I don't think the Ravens are going to give up that kind of draft capital for him. 
Yeah, I, I don't know that they would either. I think the the interesting the interesting thought is is you know what would you what would you give up? Because I mean, let's be real. If you are getting Stefan Diggs, yes, you're having to deal with his his uh, cap hit, but you're also getting a top tier wide receiver. I mean, I I would put Stefan Diggs right now today as a top 10 wide receiver top 10 in the NFL uh, fringe top 10 top 15 absolutely in my opinion but here's the thing there's a lot that comes with Stefan Diggs he's a uh, he's that typical diva wide receiver wants the guy. ball wants wants to be involved all the time and I mean I, that's kind of just traditional with wide receivers they always want to be involved but in this particular offense right we've seen it firsthand how much else the wide receivers have to do in this offense outside of just getting open and catching the ball you know they have to be willing to buy into the run game we just set the record in the nfl for rushing yards in a year as a team that doesn't happen without the commitment of wide receivers blocking downfield it doesn't happen agreed but you also i'm not saying Diggs would not do think, it but i don't think Diggs. i don't think Diggs was bought into what they were i don't i still don't think Diggs is bought into what they're doing in in Minnesota because I, I think he doesn't think Kirk Cousins is the answer at quarterback in Minnesota. I honestly think that. Um and I I get what you're saying, but I also see that the idea the idea is there. I think you'd you'd have to ask them to take some of the salary hit if you're doing something like that, if you're going to make that trade, but I just thought it was interesting that you know again, the they're room- not going to do that because that's the whole reason that they would trade him. They're they're so up against and over the cap right now. That's why this is even a conversation because they got to free up cap space. So if you're going to take on Stefan Diggs, you're taking on 100% of that contract. And then if again, if you're taking on 100% of that contract and having to give up draft capital, for me but- as great of a weapon as he would be, it's just not worth it. You gotta you gotta think with your head, not with your heart. It, there's so much reason to want him here. When's when is his when's his contract up? Do we know? I don't. I don't have that. I'd have to look that up. Me. I'd be curious. I think, it's, I think it's still a couple years away because okay. I'm pretty sure he just resigned it, not long ago. If if he's you know if he's got a year or two left, you know if he's got a year left, let's say, and he hits free agency the next year, then I think it's worth it's worth definitely worth entertaining at that point. Because at that point, you're only having to worry about one year. And if you're going to go year to year of, okay, we're going to do what it takes to, to win this year, that type of mentality, we're going to do what it takes, then that's what you got to start doing. You got to start looking for these guys that, that are, you know, at the end of their contracts, trade a little bit of value to win this year. Uh, whether that's going to be the case or not, I, I don't know. I really just think it's, again, just just the rumor mill thrown around, but... We'll, we'll have to see what happens. With well, it. Uh, speaking of one year, <laughs> the rumors are still swirling about Matt Judon. Uh, there have been rumors out there that the Ravens will end up using the franchise tag on Matt Judon, which I think right now the cap number for uh, franchise tag for, for his position would be like sixteen and a half million. I was say I thought it was fifteen or so. <sighs> so I've I've kind of turned <laughs> turned a little bit on my thought behind this because sixteen and a half million sounds like a lot. But in reality, it's really not because the top players at his position right now are getting $20 million contracts. Yannick is on the free agent market right now demanding a $22 million contract a year, right? So to keep a Matt Judon at $16 million, at least for one year, it gives you the opportunity to draft potential 
guys to, to replace for him. Right. But it you can develop gives Jalen you, Ferguson exactly, and it gives you that stopgap at least for one more year. Because right now, Jalen Ferguson isn't the answer. If you lose Matt Judon, you better hit big in the draft, and he better be effective right away. One or Eric DaCosta better be pulling a rabbit out of his hat again and finding some magic in some of these free agents yeah. out there. I mean, I guess I, I see your point on it. I, I can I could definitely understand it. I definitely I get it and, and agree with it to an extent. I guess my worry is that's basically half of our cap space. I know, that and that's that's always and, been the issue. And you're still not factoring in a second pass rusher. You're still not factoring in a, a potential another offensive lineman because you don't know what you're going to need. What's going to happen with Marshall Yonda? Yeah, again talked about that today. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. But I, I there, there's still too much there to just go ahead and go. All right, we're going to franchise tag him and take away half of our cap space for next year. Right. I, I, I don't know that I can commit to that. I don't know that that makes sense to me. While, yes, he is a top guy, I don't know what else my, is out on the market as far as the value goes. My I mean, thing Costa's is this. been great at that. I'm on both sides of it, right? So, like I said, in a stopgap situation where you're only signing him for one year and you're potentially drafting his replacement, I'm good with that, right? What I'm not good with, and I mean this in no disrespect, Matt, this is just the business side of of football. I don't personally think that he's worth top flight long-term numbers. I think if you're going to pay a pass rusher top five money, I think you can find a free agent like a Yannick or other guys out there that if you're going to spend that kind of money, spend a little bit more and get a guy that I think would have a bigger impact. This is a guy that really hasn't lit the world on fire. I know you can't judge everything by sacks. And the more you watch tape on Matt Judon, the more you'll realize how much of an impact he has on the totality of the game, not just from his sack numbers, they, his pressure numbers, but even you know stopping against the run and that kind of thing. So he has, he has a, a huge impact on this team, and that's why he's going to get paid the heavy contract that he's going to get paid. I just personally think, this is just my opinion, that if they're going to spend that kind of money, I'd personally spend it on a guy that's going to have a bigger impact, my opinion. I, I, I get what you're saying. I, I guess if... If you're trying to go and say, okay, go spend more money, that's kind of going the opposite way of what we we're just talking about. My my point is, if you're going to spend eighteen to twenty spend million dollars, money get more value. Exactly. I get it. I get spend it. Spend a little bit more and get more value. I get it. And, and it's you know, it, it's kind of the, it's kind of that thought process of you know buying a, a, a vodka that is you know twenty seven dollars versus a vodka that's thirty two dollars. Right. That thirty two dollars, yeah, it's five dollars more, and it, as far as but it's so much better. I was you say, but it's so much smoother. It's you know, it's right. got. I get it. I understand that. But at the same time, you then turn around. You got to look and say, okay, here's a guy that you know he's proven under somebody else's system. You know what Judon can do under your system. You know the pressure. You just talked about it. you. You know that he can put more pressure on it. That's why I think they need to redo the 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 pressure stats and how how often they run to his side and things like that. There's got to be a number that somebody can come up with. They could they could make that happen, but at the same time, to go the opposite route, and we're gonna we're getting ready to flip spots here. I would say if you're, that's your thought process, I understand it. But to me, Judon brings more value because he knows this defense. He doesn't have to come in and learn new schemes. He doesn't have to come in and, and learn new new information. He's Wink already has him under control and doing well. But then again, you just paid Wink. 
And that was going to be my, my next point. <laughs> I knew where you were you, going as soon you, as you, you made you that bring, face. You bring up a good point. And I think a lot of these defensive players, not all of them, but I think a lot of them have the success that they have based on the system and based on their fit in the system and how Wink utilizes them. If you haven't heard already, uh, the Ravens did extend Wink uh, under a contract for the next couple of years, made him the highest paid defensive coordinator contract. in the league. Uh, and rightfully so, man. This is a way, if you're going to try to keep continuity and you're going to try to keep your coordinators, you better pay them correct because if, they're, if they get that opportunity for a head coach job, which is what most coordinators desire and dream of doing, they're going to run. But, hey, money talks, man. And if he's happy, listen, he can he can retire. I think he's got like I think he's a three-year, 10-point-something million-dollar contract. Yeah. So Wink's sitting pretty for a defensive coordinator right now. Uh, but so I bring that up because – one, I feel better that he's locked up. <laughs> Two, uh, I do think that Judon is successful, more successful based on the system. Not saying he's, he's he wouldn't be successful elsewhere. We saw that with Zadarius Smith. Zadarius Smith went to Green Bay and had a great year out there. And I think if Judon went somewhere else, he'd probably have a great year too. I just think that if you get a guy from the outside like a Yannick or, you know, like another, you know, pass rush, a top flight pass rush who's already proven it in another system, how successful they can be from just a pure pass rush standpoint, because we all know that's the big glaring issue right now on this team is pass rush, right? Fair enough, yeah. How successful would they be here under Wink's tutelage? Well, and I, I think I think you actually I you're making me think because you make a valid point because you look at Marcus Peters as a prime example. Right. Marcus Peters comes in as a me guy, wants money, wants to get paid. But what is he doing in the offseason? He's working out. He's making sure that he's ready and he's bought into what Wink is doing on that defensive side of the ball. So I think you make a good point. I, I think it's it's just going to come down to, you know, you have to <laughs> you got to you, this is one of those situations where you grab out the scale and you literally just, OK, this is one way. This is another way. There's the pros. Here's the cons. And you literally are going to have to weigh this. Scott, you're just setting them up so I can knock them down today. I'm doing it. What's Speaking up? Speaking of weight, did you see the size of the steak? Oh, my that, God. Did you see the size of the steak that Bradley just Bozeman ate? 72 ounce steak challenge in Texas. It was a Marquise Brown size steak <laughs> is what it was. It was Marquise's chest. It was his entire figure. You put a helmet on it. That's Marquise Brown. God. It was. Did you see the picture yeah, of it? Yeah, I saw it. It was massive. <laughs> yeah. 72 ounces. And he downed the thing. They apparently he apparently I could, I could nail that. I could do that. I think I could. We might have to take a trip to Texas. <laughs> man, I think you I could. would have to fast yourself for like three I days don't think to I be would. able to do that. Man. I just need to skip breakfast. If I skip breakfast, <laughs> I skip lunch, and I just keep it focused for the day. I, okay. I want to see the calorie count on that. I want to okay. see how we much might have to do that on a live show one day. Yeah. Oh, I'll, I'll eat a seventy-two. Se- I'll eat a seventy-two ounce steak <laughs> live on air as we go. <laughs> no, I just no, got to no, no, finish no. it by the end of the show. Pay per view that thing. Pay per view. Pay per view that. I don't think anybody's paying to watch me eat a steak. <laughs> so I have one question: uh, Is he becoming the offensive Michael Pierce? Offensive Michael Pierce. No. Oh, you talking about because he was so heavy? <laughs> yeah. I was trying to figure out where wow. the hell are we going. Where he's going. I was confused on the, that one too. Putting wow. on the weight in the offseason. Yeah, no. no. <laughs> Michael Pierce was a goober, and uh, I mean, he was a fat ass. No he motivation, came in, He man. came into under a contract. Oh, that's so frustrating. In a contract year, he comes in at 400 pounds. Like, what? 
If Brad, what are you doing? Hey, if, if Bradley Bozeman has, right right Brad <laughs> has a heart attack or comes in out of shape, no. I'm just going to point and say, I told you so. I actually envy what Bradley Bozeman's doing right now. He's traveling the oh, country with his wife in yeah. an RV and, and seeing all these different places. That's kind of cool. That's something I'd love to do when I retire. Yeah, just but the problem is, if you're going around doing a bunch of food challenges, <laughs> you ever seen what happens to the food challenge guys on TV? No. They start with, with a frame that's like my size or Brian's size. And they Don't end up a lot it. <laughs> Don't you do it. I didn't do that. You almost did, did it. it. Almost went there. I almost did it. What a I dick. almost did it. No. So, but no, you get what I'm saying. Is it, it's, it's what I'm worried about. You didn't help yourself with eating <laughs> a full 72-ounce steak over there. I'll do it. I'll do it. Do but, it for the people. <laughs> no, but it, look, I, I guess that's my one word. It's great. It's cool. It's kind of cool to see you know, yeah. a, Baltimore, a Baltimore player going out and doing something like that. But at the same time, come on, dude. Right. Well, either way, so <sighs> scouting combine, <laughs> scouting combine is getting ready to kick off. Got my brain in other places right now. Seventy-two ounce steaks. Well, hold on, I'm just steak. thinking about food. Hold on, Shell Shelton tells calling you out and said Fred couldn't do it and failed at Fogo. Oh, <laughs> touche. Oh, I did fail at Fogo. Oh. I absolutely did fail at Fogo. All right, there's not the going to go in That's, on Fogo because we had a bad experience there. I'm not going to do it, <laughs> Ryan. We'll talk about this off the air. Um, so yeah, getting ready to kick off with the, uh, the scouting combine, uh, Eric DaCosta had his press conference down there today. Uh, talked about, uh, John Harbaugh not being able to be there this year. He obviously just went under knee surgery, the knee replacement surgery. Yeah. Knee replacement. I I was waiting for that to happen. He looked bad at the end of the year. He was literally hobbling down the high, down the sideline. I started to say down the highway. (laughs) He was hobbling down the sideline. To get to the, the refs. First football <laughs> game were you watching? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the white lane, it's a highway. There you go. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, so look, I know this has got to be killing Harbs. This is kind of like what his family just thrives on, right? It's yeah. like the like anything that he can hop into numbers and statistics and all that kind of stuff. And what a better way to number crunch than at the scouting combine, right? That's where everything kind of collectively comes together. He's there every year. So it's got to be killing him for him not to be there. Uh, but look, Eric DaCosta had his press conference today and he brought up a bunch of these topics, kind of some of the stuff that we've already kind of hit on, but a few things that he didn't, that he did talk about that we haven't talked about yet. You mentioned Marshall Yonda. He talked about yeah. him uh, and the potential for retirement. He hasn't had any conversation with him as of yet. They but it's planning to over the next I say month. He said they saw each other at the Pro Bowl. He was asked, you know, did, did they talk? And he said that they didn't talk. I find that a little uncomfortable, honestly, that, you know, you're, you're getting into late February here and you haven't had this conversation with Marshall Yandy yet. Of, right. Hey, man, we need we need to we need to know because let's be real. You do that. You do that. That might adjust your draft board that adjusts what you got to do in free agency. I don't think it's going to affect the draft board as much. I think it's free agency, and you know you got to look at your depth that you already have. But at the same time, I, I'm that makes me a little uncomfortable that you're saying you haven't had that conversation yet. Marshall Yond has earned the right to take his time and figure out what he's going to do, regardless of whether he retires this year or not. The Ravens know that they have to find his replacement, whether that's somebody that's already on the roster or whether that's drafting somebody. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I believe there's three positions that every single year should be drafted regardless of your roster situation should always be drafted offensive line, defensive line, and DBs or cornerbacks. 
every year those three positions should be drafted. Well, it's because the, the Ravens, year. the Ravens typically have followed suit with that. Right. The the average for those those positions is usually about three years for a lot of those guys. Right. And some of those positions are harder to evaluate because they're not like skill position well, players. They're not, they're not so something you, you can, can measure stats on all the time. Either. Right. So you can find diamonds in the rough late. So if you're taking a fifth, a sixth, a seventh round flyer on somebody that you like the measurables, you like what he looked like on tape, he could turn out to be the next Marshall Yonda, find him in the fifth, sixth round, right? So I think the Ravens are going to draft an offensive lineman in this draft regardless. So I'm not pressed about it. I mean, obviously, he's going to have to make his decision soon, and I don't think he's going to do anything to handicap the team. How 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 long are you letting it go if it's you? I'll let him take his, this month. If if it if it takes you through, want an, you want an answer kind at of the end of March. March. At the end of at March. The end of March. Yeah. End of March. Yeah. We got the draft coming up at the end of April, right? So yeah. I would think that would be enough time for the Ravens to evaluate. The Ravens, I mean, and Eric DeCosta talked about this, right? They've already got 200 players on their draft board right now, right? So they've already got eyes on different guys. Whether they might slide a, a guy around here or there within a month time, they'll be able to do that based on what Marshall Young yeah, says. Yeah, but you also don't know what's going to be available. You, you, you don't know what you're going to want to need to do in free agency either. I'm sure, I mean, sure you got a, your pulse on the free agency market, but you can't talk to those guys yet. You know, you, you have right. the beginning of March that that's where you That's why I think they're... I don't needs- think they're going to go out and sign any, like, big-name free agent offensive lineman. That's not going to be a, a priority no. this year, regardless of whether he retires no, or not. No, but if he, if, if he retires, if he says, I'm done, I'm hanging it up... You go find a value guy that can get you through the year and let your, you know, you then go draft versus if you're drafting that guy starting right away, you might have a problem. I don't know what we got to look at depth wise. Well, as we, far we as- still got Ben Powers. Ben Powers is a guy that I really liked coming out of the draft this year. A guy that went to a big school in uh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma or Alabama. I can't remember. I think it was Oklahoma. No. Was that uh, either way, he went to a big school, big time. Powers program, Oklahoma. Yeah. And he's got a grittiness about him, a lot like Marshall Yonda. He's like that tough, you know, tough nose football guy, a lot like Ryan Jensen. Uh, we missed Ryan Jensen yeah. here. I, I really I was a big fan of his, even though he's a redhead uh, outside <laughs> of that. I, I think Ben Powers can step in in a role. Bradley Bozeman could slide over to Marshall Yonda's spot if need be. Um, obviously, we've got the issue now with James Hurst going to be out for the first yeah. couple years or first couple weeks with uh, the suspension. I'm not as pressed on the decision of Marshall Yonda. I would love for Fair him enough. to come wait, make one more run at it. Let's take try to get one more shot at for him for another Super Bowl. But if he decides to bow out on top after the year he just had, I he's can't blame him. Yeah, I can't, can't blame can't, him at all. Can't blame him. You know, you talk about the offensive line too. The other guy that kind of factors into everything that they're trying to get extension talks with right now is Ronnie Stanley. Yeah. You know, you're, you're looking at the the deal with him. You're you're trying to get with his agent. I think he said he was getting with his agent this week, um, and to try and talk through the extension talks for him. So that's another guy that you have to factor in. And again, yet another guy that you're gonna have to factor into future salary caps and everything like that as you're as you're talking about some of these players. Um, you know. I guess the 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 guy on on the extension talk grid that has my attention is everything with Marlon Humphrey because yeah. he said he said the extension talk with Marlon Humphrey is a formality, right? He he basically said it the fifth year options it's going to happen, but at the same time, at what cost? Marlon Humphrey, we've talked about this. Mm-hmm. He's top beat DB in the league. Yeah, you need to pay him. And I think they will. 
I don't see. I'm not as pressed about Marlon Humphrey right now because you have that extra year that it doesn't have to be done now. It's good that contract talks are already in, ongoing and that they will eventually, in my opinion, get something done with him. I also feel the same way about Ronnie Stanley. They're not going to let their you know franchise left tackle walk. Yeah, and I think Eric DaCosta and he even said this in his press conference. He's put an emphasis on making sure that they keep their guys, guys that they value. So I think those two deals will get worked out over time, which again is is part of the factor you got to take into when you're talking cap space, right? And and how right. many free agents you can go after, especially in the back of your mind, if you know, all right, I'm going to be getting this contract with Ronnie Stanley done, and it's going to cost me X amount of dollars. I only have so much left over to be go, you know, be able to go after free agents. So those two deals will get done in the right time. It's not a rush, in my opinion. Yeah. So another contract that he talked about today that I thought was kind of interesting was Jimmy Smith. Uh, oh, I did hear the comments about this, yeah. Staying with cornerback. So we've talked about it since the year ended. Would the Ravens end up bringing Jimmy Smith back? Would that be a contract that they would let walk and save the cap money on that? Um, and today he basically, he basically said that he's going to let Jimmy test the market. And I think Jimmy wants to test the market well, because say, yeah, he's, he said he felt like Jimmy wanted to test the market, which means that tells me if I'm if I'm giving you my opinion of what that means, that means they offered him less than what he thinks his market value is asking him to take a discount because of the injuries. I don't think they've offered him anything. You don't. Think I, I don't. Th I think I, I agree with where you're going with this. I don't think they've offered him anything yet. I think out of respect, I think they said, hey, if you want to be a starter, if you still want to be a starter, because on this team... Oh, he's not a starter. You we get Tavon that. Young back. Tavon Young, Marcus Peters, Marlon Humphrey are your starters. Jimmy Smith is a rotational guy, kind of like Brandon Carr was. So if he can go out there and test the market and somebody's willing to pay him top-tier starting cornerback money, then so be it. But I think Eric DaCosta is basically telling him, go test it. Figure out what you can get on the open market. And come see me. Come see me. Before you go sign in anything. Exactly. Yeah. Let me know what you're going to do, and then we'll go from there. Yeah, I mean, I could see, I could definitely see that, because I think the one thing that is still a question mark for me, and you might disagree with me on this, but I'll be, I'll be real and straight up. Tavon Young coming back from the injury, still a question mark. 100% You don't agree. know what his recovery is. 100% agree. So, yeah, I think you have to, to your Depth. point, maybe take, take a flyer and go, here, Jimmy, we, we you know, we're interested in you, yeah. But we know that you want to get the most money for your, the bang for your buck. We respect that with your history with us. Go see, but but do us a favor to your point and yeah. come back to us. Let us see what we can do for you after you find out. Jimmy Smith has said it. He wants to be a Raven. Yeah. But at the end of the day, again, it's a business, right? And if another team is going to pay you X amount of dollars more to be a starting cornerback, you're talking about somebody's livelihood. Setting up not only his livelihood, but his family's livelihood, right. their family's livelihood, right? So this is going to be the last contract of significance for Jimmy Smith because he's getting up there in age, right? Yeah. He does have some question marks because he's had some off-the-field issues in the past. He's also had some injury issues in the past, but he's flourished in this system. And there's no doubt about how much more, how much more efficient and how better this defense was when Jimmy Smith was a part of it than when it was when he wasn't. Yeah, he we, was off we've the seen field, the difference. We've seen a difference. It was a, it was a huge difference. But again, Jimmy's at that point, at least on this team, because of how much money Eric DaCosta has invested in the secondary. He's a secondary player. He's not yeah. a starting player. Now Tavon Young 
is a big question mark. You're absolutely right on that. But you've paid him that money, so you got to at least give him the opportunity to go out there, show that he's healthy, and then he can be that shutdown slot yeah. corner. Well, and the last guy to, to mention on the defensive side of the ball that he talked about was just, well, we're not going to go in depth on him because it's not even worth it. Brandon Carr, he just basically said they haven't really made a decision on the contract option for Brandon Carr. You and I have talked about this. He's a depth guy. If he's willing to, if you're, if you can make that contract work out at a cheaper price, then you can do it. But otherwise, you might be able to go with a little bit more depth at, at what you already have. I think Brandon Carr is the the safety option. If Jimmy Smith bolts, oh they, yeah, then you then you lock him. Then down. they bring yeah. Brandon Carr back on a on a smaller deal. If Jimmy signs, Brandon Carr's gone. Yeah. They're not going to have both of them back no. this, this year. No. That's just my opinion on it, my take on it. Uh, but look, Brandon Carr's been the ultimate pro. He's done nothing but good since he's been here in the community and with this team. Uh, the limited time that he's played, he's been very, very effective when he's been out there. Uh, I hope he's back just because I've got a soft spot for the guy. I like the guy a lot. Yeah. Uh, but he's at the like end of the said, day, he's done a lot for the community. So at the end of the day, it's a business, right? So on the offensive side, we'll go through these really quickly because I know we got to move on. But uh, he did talk about Miles Boykin a little bit, and he expects a big jump out of Miles Boykin. Uh, he said that year two, from year one to year two, is crucial on wide receivers' development. He said the same thing about Hollywood Brown. Yeah. Brought up all the points that we've always talked about with Hollywood being injured pretty much all year long, but still putting up numbers. I mean, he was in the top numbers as far as rookie of the year goes yeah. all the way down to the last couple of weeks, right? So, And this is a guy that wasn't healthy all season. So you give him a full year to, to, to actually really recoup. recoup. He's down there in Florida right now working with Lamar Jackson. You get him more comfortable with him. I think both of these guys are poised to have big years next year, and I think that's kind of flying under the radar. I know everybody's freaking out about wide receiver, but don't sell yourself short on Miles Boykin. I think this kid can be an effective tool in this offense. He just needs the opportunity. I want to see Miles down there in Florida. I yeah. want to see him developing that relationship with Lamar because I think that's what takes him to the next level. And really, it's gonna it's gonna depend on what happens. One other guy that he talked about was was the guy that was the locker room trust. trust. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> yeah, he said big trust on stage, which is yeah. great here. There, Costa <laughs> saying, but uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's no doubt uh, the value and the significance that Mark Ingram brought this year. Yeah, uh, not just his on the field. Ability. I mean, rushing for over a thousand yards was huge in this offense. Considering, I mean, we had running backs by committee. Yeah. Had, you know, between Lamar, you know, and and Gus Mark Edwards and Gus, yeah. and, and uh, Ingram Justice Hill too, and Justice Hill, right? So for him to be able to put up the numbers he did was great. But I think the overall effect that he had on the locker room and this team as a whole, because we talked about going in the offseason, who was going to be that veteran leadership? We just basically got gutted. Of, of all veteran of our leadership. veteran leadership, you know, in the offseason, we're like, damn, who's going to be the guy to turn to? And I'll tell you what, Mark Ingram came in day one and didn't miss a beat. Yeah, Takasa's words, better than they could have ever imagined. All right, Scott, it's time for the Liquor Stop Brew of the Week. What are we drinking on today? So this week's Liquor Stop Brew of the Week is from Abita Brewing. It is their Mardi Gras Bach because today <laughs> is Fat Tuesday. That is for sure. No, so this stuff is 6.5% ABV. Uh, it, it, it's Where's kind my of a- Mardi Gras beads? I got to flash some titties, huh? <laughs> oh, God, no. No, no. Think, think about uh, the kids. Please keep your shirt on, Fred. We're going to ask you to do that, please. Uh, mm. No, but the Mardi Gras, the I Mardi think, Gras Bach. I think our audience would like to see that, though. <laughs> hey <-o. laughs> 
<laughs> Mardi Gras Bach, it, it's uh, it's it's a pale pilsner with uh, a little bit of malt. It's a German style, uh, but Pretty it's good. it really it's it's a Bach for me. It's the one thing they do recommend. It's a what? It's a Bach for me. What does that mean? You've never had a Bach beer? No. Go try a Bach beer. It's it tastes like this. It, it is a Bach. That, that is kind of what. Go try think. another Bach beer. Is what I'm saying. I don't know what it is. Okay, never mind. I don't know what you're saying right now, Scott. <laughs> anyway, so the the uh, the big thing that they do say with pairings on this, uh, they recommend it with uh, different cheeses like Swiss. Uh, they also recommend roasted beef or pork, and they also who say, likes Swiss cheese? I Does do. anybody really like Swiss cheese? I do. You're missing all that cheese. Who puts holes in it? That's just ridiculous. That's terrible. Maybe there's holes in your palate. <laughs> Anyway, stand Swiss cheese. <laughs> anyway, they also say Terrible. try it with Mexican food. Um, go check, go check out Liquor Stop. <laughs> Get your brew of the week this week. Uh, they also have tastings. Uh, I think it's Manor Hill is on Friday from four to seven, yes, and then they also have this Bullshine uh, flavored whiskey. So it's Bullshine. They are actually is that the stuff you made me smell. Yes, it's very strong. Don't smell it. Hold it's, your nose. It, it's very strong. Don't smell it. It is out there of goes our sponsorship. It is out of Baltimore. <laughs> um, so you guys, you guys smelled the peach one. I figured I would smell and give a little taste of the elderberry. This, this is apparently their top seller. Really, when it Where, comes to the elderberry. Where's the zoom okay? That button? one's not as bad. Right, you still get the whiskey, the, the whiskey smell to it. No, actually, that's not bad. But the first one you had me was brutal. It's, oh, it's pungent. Bad. It's very pungent. Uh, but no, go check them out. They're doing that on uh, Saturday from, I believe it was 1 to 2. Uh, so go check it out up at Liquor Stop. Mention Birdland BS, get you, uh, Birdland BS sent you, get you 10% off. Uh, all right, Scott, it's time for some Turtle Talk sponsored by Shell and Tell Podcast. Yes. Check it out on all your favorite app <laughs> podcast apps of choice. Shell and Tell. So, really? Ryan, you should be very, very happy today when it comes to Shell and Tell because I literally hold before you a full. Brian, get in on that. It is a full. What are you page. doing? It is a full page. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. <laughs> a full page. Why here. are you showing them our notes, Scott? Stop. It's not like they could really give it away them. our secrets. <laughs> Don't tell them about the studio that we're not oh. really. All those secrets Here. are is shot, 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 shot. That's all that <laughs> says right now. That's only when it comes to me, as everybody would say. Oh, man. All right, so tur- or the Turtles, the Terps. <laughs> now 22-5 and five on the year, 12-4. and four. Uh, They do snap their nine-game winning streak uh, as they end up losing on the road to the Buckeyes. Uh, so since the last week, they've had two games. They had the game against Northwestern, yeah. uh, which – Took a little bit more effort than I think a lot of us hoped for, <laughs> but we won. Close for comfort. Nine, nine points against Northwestern was not what you were expecting. Yeah. I mean, Jalen Smith in that game, though, had a huge, huge night. Off the charts. One board side of a 20-20. Yeah. At 22 points and 19 boards, and his teammates were riding his crap about it, too, which was great. Just yeah. you know, that he was coming up that one rebound well, short, and you know he wanted it. He, oh, he wanted it. He definitely wanted it. And I'm sure he didn't want he didn't want to come out for the two minutes that he missed during this game, as he played 38 minutes yeah, in this game. So that's a crucial stat. We're going to get to that later, but keep that in mind. He played 38 minutes in this game. Terps. I mean, they had a 12 point lead at half, but then Northwestern ended up crawling back in this game. Got to actually within four in that game. Uh, so they, they, like I said, Terps had to had to work for yeah. this game. Uh, Anthony Cowan, 37 in nine, or I'm sorry, 19 and 37 minutes in this game. Another crucial stat to pay attention to. Cowan, 37 minutes in this game. Because we're going to talk a little bit about what went wrong in the loss <laughs> to, to, Ohio, to State. Ohio State. 
Ohio State came. Uh, we, we went into Columbus. Ohio State was ranked number 25 in the, in the country. Again, pretty much every team in the Big Ten right now is going to be a test. This this right. conference is good as a whole. And they, they've been in and out of the bubble of the top 25 that Ohio State has all year long. Right. And I'm telling you, in this game, pretty much everything went the Buckeyes' way. And, I mean, literally everything went the, their way. And we only lost by seven. We lost 79-72 again on the road, which has been the Terps' Achilles heel as until recently. They did win a couple of big games recently. Yeah, they on won the road. several big games on the road. Right, but has been their Achilles heel has been playing on the road. They still haven't lost a game at home. Right. Right. Still undefeated at home. Uh, so this was a game I was a little bit nervous about. I did think the Terps were going to be able to pull this out, but this was a crucial game for the future development of this team. And I say that because Sticks and Cowan, Sticks really primarily got into foul trouble early in this game. Yeah. And Cowan got into foul trouble a little bit early in this game. Both of them ended up sitting for significant minutes in the first half. Yeah. And I think it messed with both of them. They weren't used to sitting. I mean, we just talked about it. Jalen Smith played 38 minutes the game before. Cowan played 37 minutes. These are guys that are, I mean, they're the two bread runners of this team, and this team's going to ride or die by those guys and how successful they are. Uh, and it was more evident in this game because I think I think this team can absorb when one of these guys has an off night, if Cowan's not feeling it, but Jalen's on, or Jalen's not feeling it and Cowan's on. This was the first game where we saw both of them have a rough game, but yet we saw other pieces step up and keep the Terps active. Yeah, I was going to say, there were several things that, that kind of played a factor in this game. I think one of the things that I, ha I have to ask you about this game, and if you guys didn't see it, go see if you can find the full replay of the game. Not just the highlights, but the full replay. Was it me, or was Maryland getting screwed over with with some of the foul calls? Is that I, a real question? Because that's been a trend all year, and I'm not one. But it was it was excessive. No, in this you're game. you're absolutely right. It was it was over the top in this game, uh, and that was another reason why I'm okay with this loss because the refs. Play too much of a damn role uh, in this game. I'm gonna mince my words because I'm not one to go after the refs too often, but. In this game, it was terrible. I mean, Dante Scott was having his jersey held pretty much all game long. The uh, what's the guy's name from Ohio State? Wesson oh. had his arm in Sticks' chest and back all Wesson, game long. Wesson hit him, him in the around. throat three separate times yeah. in the throat, and they didn't call a foul. And then Anthony Cowan ends up getting fouled out on a bogus tech call. Yeah. At the end of the game where... Which should have been a foul on Wesson in the first place. Right. Exactly. That ex Exactly. Uh, yeah, it was, it was a crappy game for the refs, but again, that's one factor. And yet we still hung in and had a chance all the way down to the end of this game to pull it out. But when you got the Buckeyes shooting 50% from three, I'm, <laughs> I I'm an idiot because I'm telling you at halftime, I was like, there's no way the Buckeyes are going to continue shooting. They can't like sustain this. this. They, they can't, can't sustain, sustain this. Well, I was wrong. They, cause they sustained it all game long. The second chance opportunities and rebounds were crucial in this game. I mean, they oh they were able dominated. to get the ball and get it back out. Yeah, dominated the offensive boards, but, and that's a big part of not having sticks, sticks out yeah. there. And that's why I say that it was crucial for the Terps to kind of learn from this because Chol Mariel got some you beat me to it. Got some crucial minutes in this game. He wasn't very productive, 
but again, it was productive minutes, right? It's valuable minutes that are going to be useful come tournament time where if Sticks does get into foul trouble, he's not like a lost puppy dog out there. He's got a little bit of experience playing a high-pressure situation on the road against Ohio State. This is good experience for him. I'm not going to say he looked great because he didn't. No, I, I guess that's my one argument against everything that you're saying. I understand it's minutes, but you need this late in the season. You need productive minutes. You need to him yeah, to show they what are he can productive do. minutes. They're not. You're not seeing the physical numbers. They're productive from an experience standpoint, and that's what I'm talking about. I understand what you're saying. Like you want to see this guy improve and get better, but he only does that with these minutes. He's, but. He's, he, I understand what you're saying, but you need to. A guy his size should not getting beat down low on rebounds as much as he's getting beat down low on but rebounds. But all you're focused on is the fact that he's seven foot plus. If you look at his body frame, he has no muscle mass, he has no weight. He's going to get pushed around. Unfortunately, that's kind of the belly of the beast right now. That is what Chol Mariel is. He's not going to put on 30 or 40 pounds of muscle between now and the tournament. So you got to be able to utilize his ability to grab rebounds. And the only way he's going to be able to do that, again, is by getting the experience. But the other thing you're doing, and it's the it's a dangerous thing that you're doing, you're mm. giving teams film on how to beat Chol Mariel. So in- you don't play him? I'm not saying don't play him, but I'm saying if you're going to play him, he needs to be productive. This team has to have, if they're going to be, if they're actually going to go deep into the tournament, they have to get to a rotation of eight, potentially nine guys. If they really want to be effective in, in going into the Agreed, you know, tournament. but those guys also right now they're far production. away from that. Right now they're at about six, maybe seven rotation guys right now. In so they any- got to add a, I got to add two or maybe even three. I'm going to, I'm going to go off on a rant. This is not on here for a second. Yeah. When it comes to show Mariel, have you actually seen any production any time that he's been on the court? But he's been on the court for less than 10 minutes. Like, he's, the minutes that he's out there, I get it. He's looked lost. He looks like he's slow. But he's I will say this. demolished in the tournament. He's gotten better since the first two games I saw him to what I saw in this game. It's not a substantial better, but it is better. Again, you're stuck. The Mitchell Twins aren't coming back. No, right. You have absolutely <laughs> you're feeling the Mitchell twins leaving right now. Right. And you have absolutely no other options Tamayich and and Lindo aren't getting the minutes. And I wonder why, because their production hasn't been there as expected. Right. So you got to get Mariel still producing ex- more than Mariel. Then the Terps are in a position right now where they can use these minutes to get him that experience, and they need to because right now they've got, even with this loss, they still have a two-game lead in the Big Ten right now. So they have a little bit of wiggle room. I'm not saying that they're going out there trying to lose these games intentionally, but no, I get what when Jalen Smith gets into foul trouble like this, you got to throw him out there. you got to get him the experience, and I think it was crucial in this game. And you saw a couple other guys. You saw uh, Hakeem Hart, which Ryan and I had talked about prior to the game. We haven't seen Hakeem Hart in weeks. I, I guess my point is, is Lindo comes into this game and let's say he get, he puts instead of Scholl being in there, Lindo's in this game. He puts four points on the board. Yeah. That score is now 79-73 and you're having somebody able to uh, pop off. There's too many what ifs. I know that there's what, what ifs. I understand that. But what I'm saying is you put you to get Scholl those minutes, you potentially sacrificed. We were trending upwards and we could it could still happen. But if we would have won that game. And continued the route. We wouldn't necessarily. I, I'm convinced at this point. I don't think we would have had to completely win out, but we needed to win that game in order to be to be considered for a number one seed in the tournament. Doesn't matter. 
It really, honestly, it doesn't matter. And, and they're not eliminated from being a number one seed. If the Terps can win out from here on out, which they have a chance at doing, if they can win out from here on out, they have a good shot at still being a number one seed. But that's not the end-all, be-all, right? So, so another important factor in this loss was being that Cowan and Sticks weren't on the court as much, it forced some of the other guys to step up and have bigger roles. You had Aaron Wiggins, who ended up putting up 20 points in this game, which was a career high, hit six threes. He was six for 12, shot 50% from three. It's crucial. He's another piece, a crucial uh, piece down the road. If you want to be successful in the tournament, he's got to get going, and he did in this game. Yeah. Eric Ayala, Ryan's boy. Had a big game in this game. He had 16 points on 5 of 12 shooting, so just under 50% for himself. What's What I, I liked about Ayala is you could see a confidence in him that I haven't seen in a while. He had a little bit more swagger to him, but it got a little bit dangerous because he was hitting some trying to hit some deep threes at a... A, a weird, they were sharpshooter style threes. They were straight, they were they very minimal he, arc to them. And I, yeah, I've said that before. I, I think that he doesn't have a ton of arc on his shot, and that's something that's always kind of bothered me about him. But I think it's just that's that's his shot. He's had that shot since school, and it didn't He's affect him last it at year. The right high point. He, most of the he time. shot 40% from three last year with that yeah. same shot. But he did make a comment that he had been working uh, it, during practice on his shot, and he found something in his shot. I don't know what it was, but he said he found something in his shot that made him feel better. And I can tell you now, there were a lot of shots that he took in this game that earlier in the season. He wasn't hitting, yeah. Well, not only was he not hitting, he was passing the ball off because he just didn't have the confidence in himself to hit the shots. So it was good to see him put those shots up. Uh, So let me me ask you a question. Tough loss, obviously, right? And so now you you then go, what is it, tomorrow night, they've got the, they're on the road in Minnesota, who's 13 and 13 on the season. You know, it should, knock on wood, should be a relatively high-scoring game for the Terps, low-scoring. I'm not even going to say it's a blowout. I'm not even going to say it's an easy game. Shouldn't be a blowout. You don't think so? No. I like Their record means nothing, 13-13. and 13. This team's a good basketball team. They can come in there and compete. And again, we're going into their house. We're on the road, right? So, And I think right now, Ken Palm has this as like a one-point game. Oh, yeah. So oh, it, okay. it, it's going to be a close game. Well, but uh, I, what I'm expecting to see out of this game is I'm expecting to see Cowan and Sticks get their shit together and put that game in the past and have big games. They in need game. to recover. They need to recover. And, you know, to the, the picture that we got up in the corner, they need to help each other up and, and move on. Yeah. But so I guess that's my question is, is if you're you have a voice and you can say and you can talk to this team after that, after the loss, you've got obviously Minnesota and then they they are at home versus Michigan State. On Saturday, I believe. Mm-hmm. What's your message to this se- this team going in a two game stretch in a three day period? It'd be the same message that I've had all year, and it's one game at a time. And this okay. loss was one loss. It's in your rear view now. We're on to Minnesota. That that Bill Belichick approach, right? Okay. That game is over. We're focused on Minnesota. We're not looking at Michigan State in a couple of nights. We're looking at Minnesota. We need to win this game. You're right. They're crucial games because if they win both of those games and then they go and play well in the tournament, like I said, they could potentially be a number one seed. And if that's the goal, if they want to be a number one seed, they can't get too far ahead of themselves. they got to focus on one game at a time. Okay, fair enough. I, I agree with that. There was also a big uh, commitment pickup. You know more about this than I that I did. You kind of you kind of broke it on it uh, when we were talking about it. So what, who's the guy that got committed this week? So the 2020 commitment class so far has been pretty weak, I'll be honest with you, with the Terps. Uh Leaves me kind of worried as to what's going to happen in the offseason. 
but they did get a, a commitment, a three-star point guard, a Quan Smart, uh, 6'3", 175, 175 pounds, like I said, three-star, averaging about 23, 24 points a game in high school right now. He's a all-around basketball player, good defensive player, um, good basketball IQ, very intelligent kid. Uh, you can see the drive on him. He kind of has a mellow and Anthony Collin mold. There's obviously something to what Turgeon's looking for in a point guard because he seems to rinse and repeat every time <laughs> he goes after a point guard. There's a mentality with it, and I think this kid kind of fits that mold. He wasn't very highly recruited. I think like outside of Maryland, the the biggest school that gave him any attention was like Texas A and M outside of Maryland. Sounds like exactly what was going on with Cowan. He wasn't getting the attention, couldn't handle it. Exactly that was everything they were saying. And you know, look, I I think this kid's got a lot of potential in him, uh, but. Right now, the 2020 class only has two commitments, and both of them are point guards. And we all know sorely what's the big miss right now, and it's big guys, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's So I think we'll see some potential graduate transfers come in next year. Uh, like, you know, some guys have come in in the past and had big roles with this team. I can't, like, names are. Des Wells was one of them. Yeah. Uh, we'll see some guys transfer in, and I think still keep this team as a top five uh, Big Ten team going into next year. So I'm not completely concerned. It just depends on does Sticks dip and go to the NBA, which I think everybody's kind of thinking he will. Uh, Does an NBA team build confidence in the Wiggins that Wiggins could leave? I don't think he's ready. I don't think anybody thinks he's ready, but all it takes is one NBA team to believe in the potential. A late round, yeah. Right, and then he's gone. So there's still some question marks out there, but uh, I'm – I'm a little concerned as to what this class looks like as of today. We shall see. We'll see. All right, Brian, it's time for a social media shout out. Who's been uh, chiming in? Any good questions or any comments? So let me run this down real quick. So we got Sherry Shellentel. Man, he's been uh, cracking on you there, Fred, man. He's been going at you hard. That's cool. Uh, (laughs) I like it. Bring it. Miles, Greg, Kamal, Dave, Deshaun, Steve, Troy, Alonzo, Perry, Justin, Catavius, uh, I think I might have botched your name. Uh, Christy, Josie, and Garnett. That's who we got out there right now. Nice. And it's funny how much the Birdland BSers agree with you guys about wanting at least a second round draft pick, if a first round draft pick for Hayden Hurst. So they were all in agreement with you guys. There was not much disagreement when it came to that. Um, <clears throat> the Deshaun Diggs, there was a lot of he's not coming here type of comments and stuff like that. But, right. Uh, I mean, I, I would love to see him be here. I mean, I think he could be a mentor for this this young wide receiver group, but somebody brought up about the baggage. Do you think they would be able to control Diggs in the locker room? Uh, we all had that same concern with Marcus Peters. I think you said that last yeah, week. And then I mean, Marcus Peters came in and was a good fit. So does it concern me? Yes, it concerned me about Marcus Peters. But like you said, Marcus Peters came in, found a role, and, and, and has been great since he's been here. Sometimes some guys have just never... Because of their status, the coaches don't necessarily, and I don't want to call out this exactly what's happening. But Appreciate it, Justin. Some guys just don't have the the piece to be able to say no. You're not you're not willing to tell your you know your big player no. Here's the game plan. Get with it or get out. And I think that's with with Marcus Peters. It's look. This is going to be your role. You need to accept it. If you accept it, you're going to find you're going to be successful. We are going to be successful. The more successful we are, the more successful you are. That's what we're here to do. And I think that that type of mentality, some guys like a Stefan Diggs could benefit from. And that's all I got. All right. 
All right, Scott, it's time for your section. It's time for the bros, bows, and o's. I know you get all excited about Orioles baseball. And uh, look, they finally kicked off spring training games. Hasn't been going very good so far. I'm it's pretty sure. Spring training, Fred, shut the hell I'm up. I'm pretty sure Jesus. the Orioles gave up like 30 runs in two games oh today at a split gosh. squad game. Wasn't pretty. But nonetheless, baseball's back. Baseball's Yay. back in its spring spring training, so why the hell are you measuring shit? <laughs> Jesus, the only thing you ought to be measuring is Chris Davis's batting average, and right now it's looking pretty uh, damn good. It does so look pretty far. good. <laughs> All right. So I'll wait for the season to pass, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> so I guess, you know, obviously the, the first game happened on Saturday against the Braves. Um, you know, many of the prospects played in this game. This wasn't a game that we saw a lot of the expected or anticipated starters uh, you know, show out in this game. They really didn't play a lot. Uh, but the prospects seem to have a lack of production in that first game. I don't know if you looked at the stat line, you listened to it or watched it or anything, but just the overall production, you know, they think they had two runs. It just, there was not, there was not a lot of production from the team whatsoever. Yeah. Fast forward to the second game where we did see a lot of the anticipated starters and we saw that show production. Right. Including... Chris Davis getting two walks and a base hit. Okay, good start. Right. I'll take it, right? But let's look at some key stats to kind of be aware of so far and some things that are making headlines, right? So the first is Adley Rutschman. A lot was being made of Adley Rutschman coming into camp. Uh, you and I were both in agreement. He, he's not going to break with the team with camp. It's it's no. as simple as that. You won't see him till September of next year. No. Uh, I think you might see him September this year, depending on how no he does. Way. No way. Get him the experience, see what he can do, especially because of these numbers right now. Not going to happen. He's 0 for 4 at the plate with 3Ks. Yeah. Okay. So that's why I disagree with you. If he produces, and this is all dependent on him producing in the minors, if he produces at the AA level, and if they decide to move him to AAA, I think it's worth bringing him up to see what kind of progression. He's, he's not even starting at AA. Like right now, he's gonna either go back to Del Mar or potentially start at Frederick. So he'd have to there, jump a couple levels. There are talks that they may potentially, uh, probably around June, bring him up. He's not gonna start down there, yes, but he will come up. And when he does come up into Double A, he will be a starter. Uh, yeah, regardless of who is. Who I 100 percent see that happen. I just don't think he's not gonna start the this Orioles. The Orioles aren't in a position right now for it to matter for them to bring him up in September of this year. So. I don't want to get fans excited because I just personally, I don't think he's coming up until September of next year, but that's just my take. Well, we'll see what happens. I mean, I, th I think it's interesting that if you're, if that's your thought process, then why bring him up right now for a spring training? Look, I think it's, it's interesting. Uh -oh. If you see his progression from beginning of the season now to end of the season, September, if you're not, you know, you're anticipating once, not being in a run or anything like once that. Once minor league camps start, he'll go. Right now, minor league camp's not even going on, so that's why he's here now getting some experience early. But as soon as minor league camp opens up, oh, yeah, he, he'll go to minor he'll, league camp. He's breaking and he'll go down there. I just thought it was interesting. 0 for 4, 3, three strikeouts. Yeah. Uh, on the other side of that, you have Davis, who's gone 2 for 2 with three walks and a home run today. Uh, yeah. Look, it's two at-bats, or technically, I guess, five at-bats. Uh, but there is some, you know, there's some nice things to see. His swing doesn't look as slow. He's not... Like before he looked like he was slowing down on his swing to try to, to try to speed up the pitch, but he was still always in front of it. Now with the extra weight, I think his swing has actually naturally slowed down, which is why you saw, you've seen the contact so far. 
I don't know whether it's a maintainable piece or not. It's basically BP right now. Like early on in spring training, pitchers are just trying to get their arms loose. So they're really throwing a lot of fastballs. They're not throwing much breaking stuff. They're just trying to get the ball on location, trying to get right. the ball over the plate, that kind of thing. So build up speed. That that's where Chris Davis thrives, right? He thrives on fastballs, and if he can sit on a pitch, he's gonna mash home runs. That's just what Chris Davis does. But the minute the season starts and they start changing it up and throwing things off speed and all Chris Davis will be Chris Davis. Well, and to your point, let's not forget, and I, I brought this up and kind of set you up for it again, but when it comes to Davis, um, this sounds kind of like what happened last year. Started off real great. Same scenario. Then, then in the spring, later in the spring, right. when he's facing the top arms, yeah. he started falling off. Exactly. So it, it's kind of that point. One interesting stat I did think, or two interesting stats I did want to bring up, uh, Cedric Mullins, your boy, already with three swipe bases. Yeah, I mean, there's no denying that this kid, like I said, this is why I liked him. He has that Brian Roberts type appeal on the bases. The bat didn't work out so far at the major league level. Hopefully, that'll change. But there's a lot to like about him. I mean, he's that. being patient. He's being patient at the plate. He's got to, he's got to hit. So it's nice to see him get on. The other one was Mason Williams. Who? Yeah, exactly. You don't know who he I is. I have no idea who that even is. <laughs> Mason Williams. <laughs> Right now, he's he's one of the prospects in the minors. He's hitting three for five so far, not bad. Making solid contact, it's a good game. Uh, he's getting he's getting some good solid contact. He's getting line drive base hits, you know, and they're they're hard base hits. He's hitting them in the gap, uh, which is good to see. They've been that's one of the things I have been happy to see with some of these guys is they're you're starting to see some of the guys go opposite field gap. Um, you're seeing them. Be patient with the with the pitches. It's early. I understand that. But there's little things like that that you start looking at and you want to see and say, okay, maintain that and we might have something with you. Right. And so Mason Williams, I just thought that was interesting going three for five. Um, the other thing coming out of spring training, as far as the Orioles team is concerned, was the fact that they actually get announced that they're going to play. And I am curious to get your thoughts on this. They're going to play an exhibition game at the Naval Academy versus the Mets. So they're going to finish spring training and then we go play the exhibition game. Yeah, I mean, I think it's cool. They can't even sell out a regular season at Camden Yards, so <laughs> Naval Academy gives them better odds. <laughs> they're going to have more attention. We're talking about an exhibition game. We're not even talking about a regular season game with all the starters out there where we can barely get 10,000 people at. <laughs> an exhibition game? An exhibition game. game? Right. An exhibition yeah, game? Right. We're talking right. about practice? Exactly. <laughs> So I just thought, I thought that was interesting. To, yeah, I mean, I'm for it. Cool. It brings uh, baseball to an area that doesn't generally see professional baseball. So that's cool. And the Naval, the Naval Academy is a cool place to do it at. Uh, so I, yeah, I think that'd be a, a cool thing to go. Yeah. I, I'd like to go. Yeah, no, I think it'd be interesting to see. Um, the other thing that came out of this week, which is probably honestly, it's made the biggest splash as far as news is concerned in the Baltimore area. Um, and I'm really, because we do this and because of people that we know, I'm really, really curious to get your take on the broadcast changes that go into play this week uh, with Scott Garceau now taking over on radio and also potentially be doing some TV. Jim Hunter completely out of the picture now. Uh, we see uh, another guy, the Frederick Keys announcer, is coming onto the broadcast yeah. as well. Um, Kevin Brown stays on. Gary Thorne stays on. We still see Jim Palmer in there. What are your thoughts on, on these changes? It's sad that this is what we're excited about. We're talking about broadcasters. 
Like, this is what we're basing our segment on is broadcasting. Like, that's sad. But nonetheless, I like Scott Garceau. I'm going to miss Scott Garceau on my ride home uh, from work. Scott and Jeremy, They this obviously affected uh, the 105.7 The Fan yeah. broadcast, uh, the 2-6 to six with Jeremy and Scott's no, no longer. Uh, that's going to be Jason Lockenfora and Ken Wyman, and then Jeremy Kahn's got his own show from 6 until... I don't call him Jason Lockenfora. I call him Jason Lycanfora. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I, I can't stand the guy, <laughs> I and I, I do not look forward to listening to him. Did you hear what radio. they're calling the segment? It's like inside access. I'm like, really? really? Yeah, you know, they kept making fun of Kenny, of Ken Wyman early, like for weeks. They kept calling him Ravens Insider, quote unquote, and I didn't know what it meant. But that was because they knew that this was coming before anybody else did. Uh, yeah, it's kind of interesting that Ken Wyman is a Ravens insider, but whatever. whatever. Nonetheless, um, yeah. So I, I I like Scott Garceau. I'm a fan of Scott Garceau. Whether he's doing radio, whether he's doing broadcast, he used to do the Ravens games back in the day, and he did a great job doing yeah. the Ravens games. So, and he's always got good insight. So he did the Orioles at one point too, as well. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, he's getting up there in age. This is kind of, I think, going to be his. Uh, farewell <laughs> this this will be his last gig before he decides to retire uh in my opinion i don't know i don't have any information or anything that's just my opinion on it right. but uh you know I, I i'm i'm actually kind of a fan of gary thorne too i know he's goofy and he's quirky and you know everybody makes drunk. fun of him the drunk gary thorne and all that stuff i like gary thorne i i he he paints he's a, animated he's yes. animated he paints a good picture he's got that michael regai effect to him yes. that i liked about Me- michael regai um so there's there's things to like about him. Uh, I'm not the biggest Mike Bordick fan. Never have been. Boring. Uh, I, yeah, he's just boring. boring. He brings like intellect, and obviously brings the experience being a player and all that stuff. But he's just dry. He's boring. So I do think that they need a change. I know you weren't a big fan of the, of Kevin Brown that I, they brought in I'm in the sorry, offseason. I do not like Kevin Brown. I think he's I think I think he's very subpar in my opinion. He's just the typical he's got that radio voice, that broadcaster voice. He had absolutely no ties to the Orioles organization in any kind of way. So I think he just kind of came in and won it from day one and you could tell. I was going to say that's the thing though is you can't, that's not a job that to be to be successful. At. You can't just come in and wait. You have to understand and know what's going on and really Connor, go with put it. Put Brian Roberts up there instead of Bordick. Yep. Absolutely. Yes, and, 10 and, out of 10 times. And that is one of the things that they are doing. Yeah. Um, the one thing I have to say out of everything, I, I agree with you. I like Scott Garceau, but I do not like the movement of taking com- Jim Hunter completely out of it. I think Jim Hunter, with his ties, he has that ability to kind of to, to, to paint a picture, maybe not as enthusiastic as Gary Thorne is sometimes, but on the radio side of things, I think he does a great job. I think he was he was more than well qualified and get Kevin Brown off the goddamn radio yeah. and put put Jim Hunter in there I, and, and partner him with a Brian Roberts. I like Jim Hunter. Um I think he's a little bit of a homer sometimes, but I do like Jim Hunter. But that's what um, you want out of your broad. No, I know, especially especially you can't say you can't say Jim Hunter is is a homer without going with that, and then be okay with Scott Garceau because it, when it comes to that, Scott Garceau is a Keith Mills esque type uh, homer. Yeah, he can be. He can be. I agree with that. I just like Scott Garceau better. I don't know. It's just it's just my opinion. Okay. I've, I've known Scott Garceau personally. I've met him a few times, and I've just listened to him for years. Again. Back in the days, early days when the Ravens first came over, obviously through all his radio days, it's just a fan of Scott Garceau. Um, so, I, what? Speaking of Jim Hunter, though, 
One thing I'm hoping hoping for this year is I'm really hoping they revamp opening day ceremonies. I am so sick of the, of the same, same damn, thing. damn thing every single year. I have now seen it for almost 20 years. I know you've seen it for however many years, 42 or whatever it is, <laughs> however long years it is. Uh, I'm just what, did sick. he just try to make an old joke on me? <laughs> Got to turn the script at some point. Uh -huh. I'm just tired of the same old horse and pony show, like the orange carpet it's... with the balloons and the players coming down and Jim Hunter announcing everything. Do something electric. Do something different. Make it fun. Make it more. I feel like it's always been this like classic, very classy like introduction thing. Do something fun. If you really want the fans to like buy in and have a good time, especially on opening day, right? right. Opening day is an event. It should be a national holiday, right? It, it's an event. I spend all day drinking from seven thirty until until say kickoff until first <laughs> pitch. You know, it's it, it's an all day event, right? So. I just hope they do something different this year. I don't know. That's just my take on it. You're hoping for a lot there. I boss. know, but man, just but do then something. Again, then again, they did, me they did change it up with the Berlin Caravan this year, right. which was successful. Right. Uh, so who knows? Maybe maybe they do, and I really hope they do. I, like, I am a traditionalist. I do like some of the stuff that they do. Like, you know, one of the things that's so underrated, but I think it's one of the coolest things, is the, the, the um, Tenth Man. Bringing out the little kid. Oh, yeah. No, they can still year. do something with that. Yeah, no. I, I I like that. I'm a big fan of that. I love the the base changing where the kid comes running down on the field, changes the right. base and everything. Not just opening day, but every game. Yeah. Uh, I love that. Like, And I don't want them to change that. I'm just saying, spice it up a little. Yeah. You Have gotta, a little bit more fun with it. Make it more of a light show. Make it more of a fireworks show. Do something. Just you got to engage people a little bit more. Yeah. yeah I agree with that. I, I can definitely agree with that. Uh, one last thing we got to talk about uh, that we, we got to recap from last week. We obviously talked about the Astros sign stealing thing. Uh, here we go again. Um, it took another turn this week. I have not paid any attention to it. So this is news. As the it Astros, was funny. the it was Astros funny. steal signs yet again, the first game in spring training. Caught stealing oh, signs. I yeah. saw this. I so saw this. a fan. Did yeah. you see what the sign said? I didn't see the fan. The, I just saw the person the, come take him. The sign said Houston, and it was an asterisk, and then it had a apostrophe S. That's all the sign was. They come down and confiscate the sign and say it has to be taken away. That's so petty. Are you effing kidding me? Right. Like, this is that whole thing that everybody keeps Fans saying. Fans can stand up and give the middle finger salute all game long, but they'll stay in their seats. But you put a sign out there that says Houston with an asterisk and you're taking it from them? Yeah, it's mm. just, it, it's absolutely That's ridiculous. Uh, the other story that came out, wow. and it still is kind of slowly, very, very slowly developing. Story about an Astros uh, season ticket holder who is now suing the team, and they it's believed that he actually may have a legitimate case. Oh, no. Sad to say that. Is I don't this want to. where I have... He's uh, suing the team for $1 million. For, like, emotional distraught or something? For raising ticket prices, basically oh. after falsely winning or potentially falsely winning the World Series. You raise <laughs> ticket prices after you wow. cheated your way to a World Series is what his argument is. Wow. Uh, that would be like a class action lawsuit because then it would be the entire season ticket. Which is why he's only suing for one. If he goes up, I forget what the threshold is, but if he goes up more, it can be, it can be then turned into a class action lawsuit. He is suing on behalf of himself from my understanding. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the XFL. I can't get the whole like veins <laughs> popping out of my neck like he does, Chris. 
Ah, uh, man. Yeah, it's 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 three weeks in now, and we're still t- still talking still about talking the XFL. About this. this this was kind of a fun week uh, of football. You know, one of the guys that I kind of had my eye on. Uh, going into this year because there's really not many guys that I know for one other than the couple guys that have Ravens ties uh, but he's been that journeyman quarterback through the NFL I think he's getting he's been booted off of like 15 <laughs> teams in the NFL something ridiculous he probably has the longest list as a QB of teams he's played for right he was the first overall pick in the XFL at a draft and that yeah. was Josh Johnson uh, he put on a show we had talked about the last couple of weeks, how good DC Defenders team looked and Cardell Jones has looked really good and that he's like early season favorite for MVP. Well, they basically shit the bed <laughs> in this game. They Josh s- Johnson ran all over him. Yeah. He said F you, Fred. Yeah. <laughs> 18 to 25 for 278 yards and three touchdowns in this game. This was LA's first win, a huge loss. For DC defense. I would say DC's first loss as well. You know, they they're now two and one. The other team, and it's the team that is now the only unbeaten team, and it's the team that I said looked the best in week one, is the Houston Roughnecks. Yeah, and that they've got a good quarterback themselves there in PJ Walker. This kid, he was the one that we had like the gif up there that threw the sidearm pass yeah. last week and everything. 748 yards passing so far, 10 touchdowns and only one pick through three games. I'd Those say he's numbers. now taking the lead in the uh, the MVP race for sure. You shut your mouth, Fred. <laughs> you shut your mouth. No, it, it, it's uh, been it's been pretty interesting. Uh, you know, this week you also had the first uh, kickoff return for a TD. Yeah, St. Louis Bl- uh, Battlehawks. Joe Powell in front of a packed crowd too. This was kind of cool. I don't know if you saw this, but there was a uh, a video going around on Twitter that I saw that was like kind of like a 360 degree camera shot of the of the the stands yeah. there in St. Louis. St. Louis is, misses football bad. Yeah, they, they do. miss football badly not having a team there. They and pack, you can they see it. That place. They packed that place and they were enthusiastic about this team. I mean, they had the whole towels out there it was, waving. It was like, like you know, 25 or 30,000 people that were in there. Yeah, so that, that's the other kind of impressive thing. We're now three weeks into the season and looking at attendance, right? So it's eight teams, meaning that there's four games a week. The high was 29,000 in attendance. You know, in Seattle or in St. Louis that week, right? And then the low was twelve thousand, so they're averaging somewhere in the neighborhood of about twenty thousand. Even the low is still more than two Orioles games. Absolutely, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> but you know, I, I still don't know how much le- you know how much legs this league's going to have. I just think there's ultimately an expiration date under the current format because I do believe that. I don't care how much of a football fan you are, because I'm as bad a big a football fan as it can be, right? At some point, you need that mental break, and you need that like anticipation towards the next season. Now, I know the XFL and the NFL are different well, leagues. The XFL is only, what, eight weeks long, right? But it's basically the way it's set up right now is that it starts right after the NFL season, Super Bowl, and everything right. ends, and it goes between its playoffs and everything, goes right up until training camp and everything for the NFL starts. So there's really not much of an off season per se, between football leagues. And I think right now, because it's new, because there's all these new rule changes, it's a different product, it might carry for a year or two, but I just think... People, if it stays where it is right now, as far as timing goes, I just think people are going to get sick of it at some point. I mean, I can understand what you're saying. I think the thing that, that people are going to going to look at, though, is that we're, we're seeing the engagement of some of the players with the fans. You know, you, you get the guy that that bites the the seltzer and then smashes it on his oh head. Oh, my God. It's, that reminded me something straight out of a movie. I can't think of the damn movie. It might have been uh, the one that was filmed here with uh, 
Falco. Oh, the uh, replacements? replacements? Yeah, it might have been the replacements. I don't know. It was, it, he it was did do that in the replacements. Simil- like it, similar yeah. situation yeah. in a movie like that. <laughs> then you got guys going over to the fans and trading footballs for Girl Scout, Girl Scout cookies. cookies. <laughs> it was freaking great. Like, there's just so many things that are kind of but just that's different that, and entertaining. I was just saying, that's the difference is, is some of these things in the NFL, we just saw it this year. Guys are getting flagged and fined for it. Yeah. And that's what they're they're That's one of the things I think it's appealing a little bit is we're starting to see these guys come out and engage the fans a little bit more. What's up, King? And these guys, you know, let's not forget, these guys are getting paid on average about fifty five, sixty thousand dollars a year, seventy thousand yeah. dollars a year. They're making an average working wage salary for eight weeks worth of work, by the way. Right. Um, but I mean, I'd love that. But <laughs> <laughs> I think you look at it and you have to say these guys are playing and they're they're you start to see it on the field. They're having fun. Yeah. They're having fun. They're slinging the ball. They're, I mean, it's it's got a backyard it's, it's feel It's still to kind it. of a piss-poor product just because the talent isn't there. But I, like I said, with all the sideline things that go on, all the extra rule changes, the difference in the game, it's definitely a fun product. It, ma- it makes it interesting. And the production of it as well, the fact that you're hearing some of the – who was it that said you could he could he didn't know that they were uh, – we talked about last week. He said he didn't know that they were broadcasting his, uh, his plays all over. Who was that? I forget who it was. One of the head coaches had no idea, but it, it's one of those things that, like, the production of it on TV from a TV sense is actually pretty good. And now it's time for the two minute warning. All right, Brian. It's your time to shine, my friend. Yeah, yeah. I'm back in the driver's seat again. It's the two-minute warning. All right. So here is y'all first question. All right. Uh, So we all know about the uh, Dante Wilder and Tyson fight that happened. Oh, man. If you didn't see that, you missed out. (laughs) I I heard about the controversial ending with the towel being thrown in, and I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on how that ended. Are you okay with that, or do you think they maybe should have continued on? All right. Fred, you're up first, buddy. All right, man. So, listen. Wilder's equilibrium was completely off in that fight. I do think in that first knockdown where Tyson knocked Wilder down, he ruptured his eardrum. I don't think he just cut his ear. You saw him going in there and cleaning out his ear. I truly believe he ruptured his eardrum, and he had internal bleeding, and it really messed him up from a stability standpoint because his legs were wobbly the entire match. Yeah, I mean, it was it was crazy how wobbly they were, and he he attributed after the fight, oh, it was the 40-pound you know costume that he had on beforehand. B.S., dude. You were training for stuff like that. 40 pounds ain't nothing for you to carry. Shut the hell up. That was you the lamest experience. Excuse I've you ever got heard. your butt knocked and you're making <laughs> excuses. And look, you beat you you beat Tyson the first time. You lose this time. It's your first loss. You're making excuses. Tyson whooped that ass. Yeah. Yes, he did. So uh, how about the shocking news that Tom Brady is looking for a three-year, $100 million contract? Do you think he'll get it? I don't. I think it's absolutely absurd that anybody would give this dude at 42 years old. I know he's Tom Brady. Nobody at 42 years old deserves a three-year, $100 million contract. I ultimately think he'll end up, if that's really his contract demands, he'll end up in New England staying there again. They'll put some weapons around him. We could potentially see a landing spot for Hayden Hurst in <laughs> I, New England. God, no. I, well, look, here, here's the deal. When I look at this situation, he, he's trying to up his value. I think he recognizes. I think he he's 
He's just, it's a negotiation tool. He says, I'm putting out a number out there and this is what I want. Ultimately, I think it's a two year contract that he gets. And I think that two year contract is worth somewhere in the realm of 40 to 45, maybe. Uh, I think he's just throwing a number out there to give everybody, hey, I'm looking for 33 million a year. That's, ba- I mean, that equates out to what he's looking yeah. for. So I, I think when you, when you throw that out there, it starts to quick out. It gives somebody a negotiation tool. Look for him to go to Oakland. I 100% agree. All right, Scott, sign us out. All right, guys. We appreciate you guys tuning in each week. Yeah, and man. Every appreciate week. all the comments, even the guys that were lighting me up in there. Who did you say that was? Because I'm going to call them out. It was Shellatel. Oh, Shellatel. Who do you think it was? Oh, it was Ryan. Yeah. I thought you said it was Deshaun. <laughs> no. Screw you, no. Ryan. <laughs> no. Damn it. He was going to be they nicer. See I, was, I was all they, in my feelings about Deshaun oh, the entire man. time. They, they did want to see your titties, though. There was a lot of comments titties. about Sean and his titties. <laughs> anyway, we appreciate you guys tuning in each and every week. If you want to check us out, go to our website, www.birdlandbs.com. You, uh, you guys know our, our episodes are all there. You can learn about each of us. You can also get yourself some Birdland BS gear, always wearing that stuff. Make sure you check us out on the Big Play webpage. Uh, make sure you also check us out on the Big Play Twitter page, as well as Birdland Sports. Make sure you also follow us on our social media pages. If you don't know how to find us, Get the hell out of here and search Birdland BS. It's not hard, people. At Birdland BS <laughs> Appreciate on Twitter. It, King. At Fred BLBS. At Scott BLBS. At Bartender underscore Blake. Make sure if you want your opinion topic or her, opinion or topic heard on the show, use the hashtag. That's no BLBS. No <laughs> As always, be sure to check out the audio version of the podcast. Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, you name it. We're on there. Go check us out. Make sure you follow and like us while you're there. Thanks for tuning in, as always. We'll be back next week, 7.30 Eastern Standard Time. You guys know the place. You know the time. Because you just told it come, to them. Come be here. <laughs> I know that. Wow, no Shut more. Up. No it's, more. It's, it's on purpose, Fred. It's part of the script. Oh, it's your stick. That the stumbling it's part, my, too? <laughs> it's my stick. We'll <laughs> see you guys. What's from Fred, myself, and Brian. We'll see you guys next week. See you.